Hello, welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And so Joe, we're talking about Airbnb and how you create a cash flow and run the numbers the right way for an Airbnb property. And one thing I do want to mention is we are about to tour the country. We're coming to Wellington, Auckland and Christchurch for our Wealth Plan Tour. If you want to get tickets and meet us in person, links down in the show notes or go to opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets. Now, Andrew, Airbnb is something people are very interested in especially after last week's case study where we had a guy on the show talking about how he bought a new build, made it into an Airbnb, and it had positive cash flow. So I know investors over the last couple of weeks and months have come to you with different Airbnb cash flows produced by developers, property investment companies. What's been your opinion based on the cash flows you've seen? So I've seen quite a few varying quality cash flows. And and look, again, every cash flow is based on assumptions, so it's everyone's best guess. But I saw one the other day, it was Property Factory, and some of the expenses seem to be the kind of levels you'd use for a normal investment property rather than an Airbnb, because obviously you've got higher maintenance and potentially higher rates and higher insurance. So I thought it'd be good to go through and look at what we might use for a cash flow so that if you are looking at setting up an Airbnb, you can run your own numbers as well, because any cash flow comes with a disclaimer, you should run your own numbers. Cool. So let's say that you're going to buy a standard two-bedroom property in Addington, Christchurch, just the market I always talk about because we know it so well. And let's say you were going to buy a new build, and what would a kind of two-bed townhouse cost at Addington these days? 600000 is probably a good stab in the dark. Well, let's say that you're going to buy that with 100% debt, but what's it going to cost to set up that Airbnb? Now, we usually say $4,000 for your lawyer valuation, but... What extra expenses are we going to have for an Airbnb? So obviously you're going to have to have additional things like your furniture, but also things like your crockery and your cutlery and stuff like that so that people can come and uh, stay in there without having to go anywhere. And I think realistically you probably need to budget for about 20000 for that, and that's going to cover all the, the standard things that you'd require. Probably not the spa like Alex put in with his unit. Yeah, I think he paid only about $5,000 for that, which I was quite surprised about in the end. Now, of course, you've got to pay interest. We're going to assume an interest-only mortgage on this. But then we've got to think about some of the other expenses, and we'll come back to how much you're going to charge people to stay here as well. Now, we've said probably about 15% for property management plus GST. Does that sound about right to you, Andrew? Yeah, that's probably about uh, the midpoint. I think I've I've heard some people charging, you know, somewhere between 12 and 13 14% but also have heard people charging 20%. So I think people like batch care charge more like 20%. Oh, that's quite high, isn't it? Now, we're going to assume no letting fee because, of course, that's covered within your property management fee, your rates and insurance. We're actually going to keep it standard for this. So 3000 bucks for rates, about 2000 bucks for insurance probably sounds about right. Bit of a residence association. Now, how much does maintenance cost on an Airbnb per year, do you reckon? So I think standard you'd use is $500 if it's just a normal rented out property where you've collected a bond. But I think you need to probably make that $2,500 to allow for maybe a bit more wear and tear, but also probably replacing some things over time. So you know, if the furniture gets broken over time or gets worn out, you have to replace that as well. Well, I think the other thing is I've seen you in an Airbnb or equivalent and your big glasses smash. You would have you, you would have been had a few wines and then dropped one on the floor, Excuse something along those lines. Me, you smashed a glass at the weekend's trip. I don't think I did. I don't you remember definitely that. Did. You're pissed. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, and then accounting will leave a stand about thirteen hundred and fifty bucks plus GST. Now, I will say the rates of insurance will come back to because technically 
many investors should be paying commercial rates of insurance, even though we know that's not usually the case. Now, if we were going to go ahead and set this up, Andrew, what are we going to charge per night? So I've definitely thought that maybe 160 is probably a reasonable number if you want to have a decent occupancy, like 85%. You probably could charge more, a couple of hundred dollars for some of those busier nights, but you'd want to reduce that occupancy. So I think that using a cheaper daily rate is a smarter move and getting higher occupancy. Cool. So even with 160 bucks a night, occupancy of 85%, once you include all of those costs, we're thinking it's probably going to be about 15 grand negative cash flow in the first year, but just under 300 odd bucks per week. But it becomes cash flow positive really, really quickly as interest rates drop, you know, within the first couple of years, we'd expect it to become positive cash flow. And I think a big question that people are going to ask is how does that compare to if you were to just to rent out that property normally. Now, I have run the numbers based on same purchase price, lower setup cost because you're not going to furnish it, same kind of interest rate, lower property management fee, you know, kind of the standard expenses, lower maintenance, all of that kind of stuff. And we think this property would probably be about 500 bucks a week negative cash flow if you were to just rent it out as standard today. Now, that's pretty high. So your Airbnb is probably about 200 bucks per week better off if you were to just buy it at the time when interest rates are really high. Does that difference surprise you much, Andrew? It is almost double the cost to top that up as a standard rental in the first couple of years. So it is, it is pretty confronting. And I think the main difference is if you just look at the daily rate, if you think about the Airbnb, we've said 160 bucks a night and you've got 85% occupancy. If you think about a standard rental, and let's say this rented out for 530 bucks per week, when you convert that to a daily rate, it's $76 a night with, we'd usually say 96% occupancy because of two weeks vacancy per year. But you see, the occupancy doesn't come down that much. We go from 96% occupancy to 85 if it's an Airbnb, but that nightly rate almost doubles, or in this case, more than doubles when we put it out as an Airbnb. And that's where we see that big swing in cash flow. Now, I think the big thing to remember, though, is for lots of people at the moment who are going to rent their property out as an Airbnb, even though it's not signed off by the council to be used by an Airbnb, the day will come where you'll have to pay those proper and higher rates, and same with probably insurance as well. So can we do the numbers on that? Yeah, so as we know, the local regulations recently changed in Christchurch, where you do now need to have a council consent if you're going to Airbnb it out. but there haven't been that many applications. So we know a lot of people aren't actually following the rules and it's not really being policed. So even though for most councils in New Zealand that I've seen, actually, you do need to pay commercial rates, most people aren't doing that. But let's say you were going to do it and the policing got really good. Your rates, we've estimated they might go up from, say, $3,000 a year to maybe 9000 Now, that's a bit of a guess because commercial rates really depend on the council you're in. I've seen some in Auckland go from three or 4000 up to $20,000 for commercial rates if you Airbnb it out. So we've said let's triple it and let's also look at it as if we were going to double the insurance, say from two to $4,000. Now, how does the cash flow compare if we're paying higher rates and insurance? So we've got an extra, oh, let's call it $8,000 worth of costs per year. So interestingly enough, now your cost for the first year is almost the same as having that as a normal rental. Now the property does become cash flow positive sooner 
And the reason for that is because uh, the cash flow is better and, of course, inflation is going to increase that daily rate that you're getting. But you're topping up by $22,000, so about $450 a week. Yeah, so that's where we start to see you're probably about $50 better off a week Airbnb compared to a standard rental. Of course, you've got that higher risk of what happens if we don't get so many bookings at one time. But you are going to be about 150 bucks worse off per week than that kind of standard if you're not paying the higher commercial rates, not paying the higher commercial insurance. And that's where it gets interesting because if you do go down the path of going, right, we're going to fly below the radar, you go and furnish out your property, you've spent 20000 doing all that, and then a couple of years down the track you get pinged for it and you think, oh, this isn't financially sustainable anymore, or there's just you know a whole lot more Airbnbs on the market because I can see a lot of people switching to Airbnb at the moment and, and certainly a lot of developers and investment companies pushing Airbnb as a model because they want to combat these high interest rates, which I completely get. But if you've got more on the market, it brings the nightly rate down, it brings the occupancy down a little bit. All of a sudden you think, right, I might just rent my property out to a normal tenant again, but you've got a whole bunch of furniture that you've paid for and you're not going to get a return on. Yeah, I mean, you can charge more if you're going to furnish a property, but it's usually about 50 bucks a week. When we've run the numbers in the past, it's kind of, you charge a bit more in rent, but because you've got to replace your furniture, you know, reasonably often, you don't end up that much better off. So you might recoup your costs, but not a lot more. But there are some big assumptions in there, Andrew, which is all around how do you figure out what the right daily, nightly rate is and what the right occupancy to put in your spreadsheet is. And so I often go to AirDNA, and I'm looking at the Christchurch market now, and they have a whole heap of data about Airbnbs. I've zoomed into Christchurch already, but what I really like is that you can hover over and look at individual properties within Christchurch and see what they are renting for. So let's have a little look-see at this one here. This is a two-bedroom, one-bath property. I think it's probably just been listed because the revenue looks quite low. But I can flick through the photos and just have a nosy and see, you know, how would this compare to the property that I want to rent out? So this looks like a pretty standard two-bedroom townhouse there, reasonably central. And what can I see? I can see that the average nightly rate they're charging is $176 a night and 59% occupancy. Now that's actually quite low compared to some of the others that I've seen. So let's take a look at this one I know I've looked at previously. This is a one bedroom, one bathroom. They are only let you book it out for seven nights, but it's quite kooky actually this one. It's quite nice. Look, it's, what did I say? Kooky. Yeah. Yeah, kooky, quirky, same thing. Okay. Got got a bit of... Don't know why a, they made two words for it then. Got um, a bit of... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. I didn't know you <laughs> realised you didn't know how the English language worked. But there are some interesting design features that people might be attracted to. Yes. You know, a bit of an odd lino there, a bit of some odd tiles. Now, they're 100% occupancy at 182 bucks a night. So the way that I'd use this is I'd be looking around trying to find similar properties and saying, well, what can I rent my one out for? And then I'd be looking at finding ones that are similar, looking at an occupancy and looking at the average nightly rate and, and taking a bit of a punt at what you could rent yours out for. One thing on AirDNA's data I'd just say is I wouldn't look at the actual revenue that it says a property is making. I'd just be looking at the occupancy and average daily night because some properties like this one here, it says it's only made 10K in annual revenue, but it's only been available for 66 days rather than 365 days. So that's what I would personally be looking at to plug into my spreadsheet. 
interesting that all this data is available. I wonder whether or not the councils will start to use ear DNA to figure out if people are renting out their property. That's what I'd do. Well, I mean, if I was the council, I'd just be flicking through Airbnb on the app. Because, yeah, but, if you're on there. But you don't know how many days they've been used. Oh, that's true. So you could come on here. Now, one question that I've seen people ask us uh, down in the comment sections in the past is how accurate is air DNA data? Okay, great. We've got all this data here. We can flick around, but it's not going to match up perfectly with Airbnb. Now, from the numbers I've looked at, it looks to be as accurate as you possibly can get. I haven't found a better system. I know Airbnb potentially have some data in the back end that you can look at, but if you're just casually looking around, trying to create a cash flow, look, this would be probably the best data you're going to get access to. I know globally they track, you know, how we go and compare to the data that Airbnb puts out themselves. They're roughly on track, but you can kind of fudge the numbers a little bit. I'd be using this anyway because it's probably the best you're going to get. What else are you going to base your decision on? Unless you're an experienced Airbnb owner and have already got some of these numbers. And I think the key thing is run your numbers and, and put in some of these higher expenses and see how attractive a proposition is and probably compare that property as a normal rental because kind of that's your baseline as well. Yeah, I agree with that, that if you're buying a rental property and you know that the regulation around Airbnbs may change in the future to make it not economically viable, then you've got to make sure it stacks up as a normal rental. Because if you were to look at a bad investment property, but on Airbnb and compare it with a good investment property with better cash flow, but as a long-term rental, the one on Airbnb would look better. So you could be duped into thinking that, oh, this property is going to be excellent because I'm going to Airbnb it out. But actually, it might not be a really good rental property by the time you put it on the open market. So I certainly think there is a strategy for people to say, you know what, I'm going to buy an investment property. I'm going to put it on Airbnb while interest rates are really high. And my property might still be cash flow negative, but it's going to be a couple of hundred dollars a week better off if I Airbnb it. So I'm going to do that right now while rates are high. But you just have to be aware that if the council comes down and starts enforcing commercial rates, if insurance companies clamp down and start forcing you to pay commercial insurance premiums, that it still has to stack up as a standard rental property. Because if you're buying investment, it's a long-term decision, right? We're talking 10, 15 years. You don't want to just make sure it stacks up for the first three years that you're Airbnb-ing it when the policing of all of these rules is a wee bit more lax. There are some other things I want you to think about as well. The other thing we haven't talked about is GST. If you're earning over $60,000 a year from your Airbnb, you're going to have to pay GST. So that could impact your cash flow. Yes, you are going to be able to claim some things back, but you're also going to have to pay some more tax through that. I haven't modelled that out in the spreadsheet. I know some people say, oh, but my Airbnb is only earning $50,000 or $55,000 a year in revenue. That's under the $60,000 GST threshold. Yes, but rents go up over time with inflation. I have not seen that GST threshold adjusted in probably the 10 to 12 years, maybe 13 years I've been keeping an eye on that. Have you seen it adjusted? Never. So there's a good chance that a lot of these Airbnbs might get pushed over that threshold within the next couple of years. Might be easy to avoid paying those commercial rates to the local council, but I can guarantee the IRD will be knocking on your door. And so that's something you want to watch out for. The other thing is seasonality in your cash flow. You see, we've modelled this out as an annual cash flow. So it looks like, okay, sweet. If I Airbnb, I'm $200 a week better off. But actually... In the summer months, you're probably going to get slightly more rent. In the winter months, you're probably going to get slightly less rent. So there will be 
more variation in your cash flow if you Airbnb compared to if you do go ahead and rent it out over a standard long-term rental. That's something else you're going to think about. If you look at the week-to-week cash flow, it might be a little bit more up and down. You'll be able to figure that out yourself. Now, I will make this spreadsheet available down in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover out. You'll be able to find it in there just with a small change in terms of the daily rate and occupancy. If things change over time, I'm not going to keep this up to date. This is kind of a (laughs) one-off. So in a year's time, please don't say, Ed, can you update your spreadsheet for Airbnb? I'm probably not going to do it. I'll make this available today, but I probably won't keep updating the specific one. But it's down in the show notes if you want it. And while you're down there, make sure you grab your ticket for our events in Wellington and Christchurch and Auckland over the next couple of weeks. We'll just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets. to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Seb at Night. And I'm Andrew Nichol. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.